Welcome to Self-Discovery Radio, where the discovery of self is just a show away. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Positive Vibrations Roundtable. With me, your host, Sarah Troy, and my guests, Laurel Hudwick and Daniela Norris. They've both been on the show before, and if you look on the posting, you can see their previous show. And they both speak about the spirit, life after death, the continual spirit, the spirit that we live in today. It's all connected. It's all beautiful, divine energy. And we're going to be kind of delving into understanding spirit after um, death, uh, how it continues on, even though this vessel of the body dies, um, memory spirits, and just basically spirituality um, and its beautiful divine energy and what it means to us in general. So um, Laura's passion is to empower people in their lives in the most authentic and passionate way possible, aligning their lives with their own divine mission and discovering and developing their own spiritual gifts. She's also a reader um, and has read for me and a lot of things that she said have come to pass and I'm waiting for the rest. And, uh, you know, that is something that gives you a, a, a map, a kind of a tool to actually understand what lays before you. Um, you've still got to walk the journey. Events still have to happen to make those things happen. But very often it just gives you a guideline of of where you're going and, and what, um, what the divine has in store for you. So it really does help you on your life's journey. And so, you know, we could reach out to her to help us along with that. And Daniela wrote this gorgeous book called Recognitions, and it's about a woman who is compelled to write a story and, uh, and understands that it's actually a kind of a deja vu reflection of a life once lived. And uh, that is something that we all get. You know, I've done this before, I've been this before, I've been here before, and that's because all of our past lives are all in this one DNA signature of energy that we gather each lifetime. And so to get those memories that come back, um, you know, is something that's quite normal. So we're going to kind of understand that a little bit more today. Um, when we, uh, she lost her, her brother, a 20-year-old brother in a drowning accident in 2010. And uh, that kind of shock and grief is what kind of propelled her forward to to understanding, you know, a little bit of life after death and bereavement and her brother kind of tapping her on the shoulder and coming to speak to her and it opened up this entire world that she's in there now. And um, she said, the one thing funny about dead people um, and that's that you can talk to them all you want and they can't talk back, but can they? Um, ask anyone who has lost a loved one and they will tell you that the dead actually can talk back whether it's a dream, a whisper, or in the wind, or in your imagination, uh, they all have um, our dead friends and relatives are always there with us, even after years after they've passed. So let's kind of understand this, because I know for a lot of people it's too far out there, it's a little too far-fetched, uh, but no, it isn't, folks, because when you look at the world, we are energy. Everything about us are particles of energy. Our life and everything that we do is energy. So it goes to reason that all the lifetimes we have leaves an imprint. 
And so when, when you're born again, you're born with those imprints, those memories, that knowledge that sometimes is way profound or way above your actual years and in, in uh, life exp um, living. So welcome to the show, uh, Laura and Danielle. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, everyone. And it's through life after death, spirit uh, continuing on. Laura, I'm going to go to you first. What is your perspective on, um, on that beautiful divine energy continuing on? Well, as a medium, um, I have to admit that I talk to dead people all the time. Ditto, girl, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's really um, it's really a, a wonderful um, service to be able to to carry those messages to people to their loved ones, and it's a real service to spirit. And people don't understand mediumship. You know, it it gives wonderful comfort and and um, security to the living but really when you're a medium you're really in service to those who have passed over because your your job is really to convey those messages as clearly and uh, with integrity as as possible to their loved ones and I kind of kind of come at it from both sides of the fence because like Danielle um, uh, two years ago actually I had uh, my own own grief process because I lost my beloved suddenly two years ago and actually it really sparked me to get more into this journey and to to really go into my practice full-time and to it gave me such an incredible understanding of what people were really going through during the grief process and how that process actually um, actually is is followed uh, by somebody who's actually in that state of deep grief. So it's really allowed me another dimension to my practice. And it's also allowed me to get personal messages from my beloved and see how that feels. Because up until that point, really, I had never had, um, well, my great-grandmother, but that was a long time ago. I had never had someone uh, uh, who had a strong personal connection to me that had passed. So I was dealing with this with, with others, but I hadn't actually um, experienced that grief process myself. So that gave me a lot more compassion, a lot more understanding. And it's true, it's really true that you really can't, you can sympathize, you can understand, you can, you know, psychologically, you can um, empathize with somebody. But until you've actually walked through that grief process yourself, you really can't truly understand the what it the way it really works and what people are really going through. Yeah, and that bereavement is really uh, very, very often a catalyst to this uh, this connection between um, dead and, and living because that became your catalyst into the journey that you're taking now, right, Danielle? Uh, yes, that, that's very true, um, Sarah. For me, uh, I speak as a skeptic. Uh, I'm still a skeptic until this day and everything I've learned in my life, I've learned it because I had proof. Um, I don't accept anything at all unless I can um, be convinced myself that it's real. And when I lost my 20-year-old uh, brother Michael some six years ago, um, I came from the world of political science, international relations, anything. Um, any connection between me and deceased people, uh, bereavement, mediumship was um, was really not n not strong. Um, but 
losing Michael has opened to me and to my family and many people around me now I know a window into a world that I sort of knew existed but since I wasn't convinced it didn't happen personally to me I didn't really believe in it and this is why um, I think today I try to speak to people who do lose someone or have lost somebody recently from the point of view of a skeptic. And what I usually say to them is that if you open your heart and your mind to the possibility that your loved one on the other side can convey messages to you and you're open to receiving them, they will come because there's nothing more um, nothing more important to your loved one on the other side than for you to know that they are fine. Mm -hmm. They still care about you. They still love you. And the thing is, I think many people who are not open to these messages um, can either uh, not receive them and then they say, oh, you know, death is final. Or they are open-minded enough to go and maybe speak to a medium, to somebody who can help them receive these messages if they can't get them on their own. And I've seen many, many people since I've um, started learning and started uh, being more involved in, the, in these areas that have completely uh, turned around in a grief process once they knew and got a message from the loved ones on the other side and knew that they were fine. I think that's the kind of the, the, the key, isn't it, is that... Um Death is is like birth. It's it's a part, natural part of of you know just the continuum, and you know death isn't final. It's final for that vessel for that lifetime experience, uh, and that lifetime experience with with those set of people around you. But it's not a final for you. You know the person that passes over, but that can be able to reach out and speak to someone that's passed over. I'm all right. Um, you know, uh, it's I'm at peace here. Um, I'm with you with love. It's just that it helps the grieving process, but it's also that reassurance because for those that are living, death is so final. Um, the person that's passed over, it isn't so final. It's a transition. So it's a. I think receiving those messages. Um, I remember once with a a, a woman, a Jehovah Witness. Um, who lost her son he was 14 he, he, he was perfectly healthy he went to sleep and never woke up again and they never knew what was wrong they never knew why he died until her mother relayed to her that she'd lost three siblings that way and she never told her so they never understood what it was and he came to me and he said I want you to assure my mother that I'm all right I'm ple at, at peace but I worry about her and because of what I do and the fact of her Jehovah she wouldn't accept that and she needed to accept that because she went on to having cancer and uh, only talking about her dead son and never embracing the life of her children that she still had it consumed her so i think sometimes this getting this message from people that pass over is that closing of the door or that reassurance or opening door to further conversation whichever way it's going to go but i think it's very much needed um that to enable both parties to move on. Laura? Oh, absolutely. And I think one of, you know, you touched on two of the most mm -hmm. important things about getting those messages and like whether you're getting them through mediumship or whether you're receiving them on your own, however the messages come to you, the two most important things that are conveyed in all messages that I've found dealing with spirit is 
one that love never dies, mm-hmm. that our loved ones still love us and they're around us sending us love and, and, and caring and support all the time. And the other one is the continuation of life. Because let's face it, in our human um, culture, the, one of the, the biggest fear is the fear of death. Yes. And fear that, you know, that it's, it's a finality and there's nothing after. And so that those are the two biggest messages that always come through, regardless of who's giving the message loud and clear, is the fact that love never dies and our loved ones are still there loving us and supporting us. And the second one is that is that real strong message that there is no such thing as death. It really is a transition. And as you said, it's a continuum. And if you look at that, like sometimes people get so focused on what happens to um, their loved ones after death. But if you look at the other side of the continuum and you look into that and, and you it gives us a window into that as well, saying, okay, if there is life after death, then obviously there's life before life on this planet. So we are coming from somewhere and we, we're coming from the place that we go to after our passing. So there is that whole other realm, that whole other energetic existence, that non-physical existence. So it gives us that opening, uh, both you know psychologically and mentally, as well as emotionally, that there is something beyond this physical 3D existence of it, that we're living right now. Yes, and it'd be rather naive for us just to think that this is it, um, Daniela. Um, yeah, both of you, uh, Laura and Sarah, you said two fascinating things. Uh, Laura said there's no such thing as death, and you said death is like birth. Well, if we look at it from the point of view of the soul, um, birth can be a very, very scary thing. Because when a soul is born into this world, everybody celebrates, right? A baby is born, and, and it's wonderful to have a new member of the family or uh, a baby born. But for the actual soul coming into this world to live a life that was perhaps in a way pre-planned, a journey that is maybe meant to accomplish some objectives, um, to learn new things, it is very scary because it's in the beginning of a journey in the world that's very, very physical, in a life that will no doubt have challenges because otherwise we wouldn't come if it was all easy and lovely, mm-hmm. while death um, is going back home. So it's true that for us who are here in a physical plane, when we receive a soul, we celebrate. And when we part with a soul that goes to the other side, we mourn. But for the soul that's arriving, they're arriving into an unknown. And when they depart, after the initial, uh, perhaps, uh, fear of dying, once they get over the fear of dying, or once they actually die, it is really a celebration of going back to the place which is um, closer to spirit, a place full of love. And I only know these things, not because I... um, It's because when I try to learn more about what's happening on the other side, I trained out of curiosity as a past life regression therapist and as a life between lives regression therapist. And not because I believed in past lives, but because I was curious. And during my training, I've experienced personally, and I've seen other people experience things that convinced me beyond doubt that the place between lives, that place where we come from and the place where we go to, 
is a beautiful, beautiful place of love. It's a place where we spend our time learning more things and being in a place that's full of love. And there's no difficulties as those that are on this earth. And the souls that actually choose and agree to come and reincarnate into a body and live a life, they do so accepting that there will be some challenges and difficulties that will help them grow. So really, in a way, um, death is unlike birth in the sense that it releases us from mm -hmm. the burdens of this life. And if we, as the people who are saying goodbye to the soul, can accept it and help them on their journey, we're actually doing them a great service. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Mm. Now, I speak to a lot of uh, very spiritual people. I'm sure you'll, you'll uh, agree with this, uh, Laura. You know, where they say, um, you're still too young, but you know, a lot of these people, 60, even 70, mm -hmm. saying, I've done my work here. Can I go home now? And, you know, the divine will say to him, no, we just want you to stay a little longer. Well, then, you know, the contract is, we'll make my life here a little easier. Um, <laughs> you know, and then I'll, I'll be happy to stay and work. But, um, you know, to a lot of people that are here to do the soul, you know, the soul spiriting, the soul journey, the soul enlightenment, it's very, very difficult. You know, I, I admit I'm one of those people. Um, I have found it very, very hard to live amongst the human realm. Um, as a spiritual being because spirituality is about that love that unity you know that wonderful celebration of of all that is, that is possible and that can exist where you know the humans uh, you know are still trapped in this fight and flight and uh, you know um, me at all costs and uh, it, it can be a very painful thing as you say for a soul to come here because that's what they're walking into um, and it can be very, very disrupting. And Laura, I'm sure you can address this. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, th that's where the difficulty comes in for so many people because, and what I've discovered with working through people, both with through mediumship and, and uh, doing my psychic work and psychic sessions, um, is people who, it's kind of almost, <laughs> it's not set in stone, but it's, 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 definitely a recognizable pattern is when I see people that have had very very difficult lives um, basically since from the time they were children throughout their lives who have have had really incredible challenges um, it's I know immediately that these people are meant to do incredible things like everybody has a, a mission and a purpose coming here but it's like um, when I see great, great challenges, you know that that person is here to to affect many, many people. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not quality versus quantity or anything like that. It's just a real key that that person has has really some very powerful contracts, and they're here to affect a lot of people. So if you can kind of look at it sometimes, I know it's very difficult for a lot of people, and I've, you know, I've been through a lot of things myself, but it's really, it comes down to, you know, you signed up for it, and sometimes, you know, my favorite phrase is, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what was I thinking, you know? And I say, you know, my... Personally, you know, I don't just have one contract. I have a filing cabinet full. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's the thing with so many people. But I think that's the reason that we have those trials and those tribulations and those challenges is to prepare us 
to be that light, to be that help to people, and to assist people in the most positive ways. And I think that comes back to what I said initially, um, and in terms of even just the grieving process. Like I said, you can sympathize and you can empathize with people, but if you haven't actually gone through it yourself, it's very, very difficult to truly understand what that person is going through. And I think that comes down to all the challenges that we go through in life. And when people have, you know, very heavy challenges and a lot of challenges, it speaks to me in a real way that from what I've seen is these people have big missions. And the reason they're going through these challenges, I look at it as now from a different point of view, it's as training sessions or research sessions. You're being taught and trained so that you can help other people uh, traverse some of these really painful and challenging aspects of life and help them through it from a really compassionate sense and from a real sense of integrity because you can look them in the eye and project through their heart and say, I've been where you are and I know what that's like. And to me, there's nothing on an interpersonal level, there's nothing more powerful than being able to truly say that. And people know that. Uh, People can see that in your eyes. They can feel it in their hearts if you have that kind of connection. If you don't and you're just saying it and it's just words, people pick up on that right away. Whether, Whether it's consciously or subconsciously. They know that you are not really understanding where they're coming from. And I think that's an incredible gift to well, be that, able to do that. That authenticity, you know, when you say yeah, I relate and, and you know, what you know, uh, it's, it's almost like a pain signature, isn't it? You know, I know your pain. I felt yeah. that pain. I understand that pain. And, uh, you know, then it becomes something where somebody understands what I'm going through. And then it says, well, how did you overcome it? And that's what we're here for is to help people through that pain, you know, back into into living a life. Daniela, do you recognize that pain? Um, absolutely. And, and I really loved what uh, Laura said about challenges, because uh, that's maybe a good time to bring in another concept um, that is soul groups. So we are coming here facing challenges, but we never come alone. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, the, often, the, the, the most uh, difficult people in our lives, the ones who give us most challenges, are actually there in our lives because we need them and because we've agreed that they're going to be there. So if it's that family member who makes our life really difficult or um, or the opposite, somebody who's really always there for us, a friend or a, a sibling, a parent, a, a child. And when we come here, and we have these contracts with the people around us, and we often incarnate and reincarnate with the same group of people. We are there, and they're there to help each other to accomplish what what we've come to accomplish. Often we work perhaps on a similar kind of challenge, on a similar kind of lesson, and therefore um, the challenges that we face, we actually... um, could be grateful to them and to the people who present them in our way instead of perhaps resenting them. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That makes a huge difference. And, and that also plays, I guess, into the, the, the concept of losing someone, losing somebody close to us. 
which also presents us with a huge challenge because for me, losing my brother was the worst thing that happened to me until then. You know, I, I, yes, I've lost grandparents, but it's kind of natural that people lose grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, but really this challenge of, of losing my, my 20-year-old brother was in a way um, a huge blessing. I mean, nothing about losing a 20-year-old child, 20-year-old uh, boy is good, but it was a challenge that actually helped me and my family grow yeah. and be where we are today. I'm going to talk about that, actually, because you know, we're talking about contracts. Whoops, a little static going in the background there. Um, we're talking about contracts, and there are some people that have just come here for a purpose, and it could be a short life. Um, it could be something that you know catastrophic happens for them that does, as you say, unite a family or set somebody up on another path. Um, you know, we don't know what that contract is, and not everybody's designed to live a long, happy, healthy life. And we see so many young people going, you know, so early, you know, through accidents or, or through cancers, but also in such a profound and dignified way in their exit. And so we have to look at that. Not all contracts are meant to be a whole lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, that's that's the real thing that, that working with spirit and um, through some of my own personal experiences in the grief process and, and losing Tim, um, you talked about it being a catalyst. And that's what people don't see because you often don't recognize how important and and Danielle talked about it as being a gift and it is there's always a gift um you know anything involving spirit is always a win-win situation so you know when you look at some of these situations even with very young young children who have passed over and then you look at what happens to the family down the road and the growth and and the different things that are sparked within people and the and the family and the friends and you know even my own personal experience with losing my beloved um, I would not be sitting here today probably having this conversation if it was not for for him passing away so suddenly and and that whole thing of just really shaking up my world world from the ground up and I've spoken with and I've I've counseled so many people that I've just seen this over and over again you know it's just it happens almost well I would say in every instance I've seen where somebody has passed regardless of age or circumstance it has always in the end um, delivered a gift to someone but that's, of course, if they're choosing to accept it, because I've also seen, especially if there's a death of a child, it tear a family apart. Um, so it really is a question yes. of how much they embrace, uh, you know, uh, that death. I think it, it comes to when the people embrace that so-called life after death, spirit after death. Mm-hmm. If they embrace that, I think it brings the family together. If they don't embrace that, I think it tears them apart. Danielle? Yes, I suppose it's like everything else in life. Um, you know, we, we can choose to see the, um, the the bad side of things or the good side of them. And as I said again, there's nothing good as such per se uh, in losing someone because we miss them. But there is some good that we can bring into our own lives and to into the life of others. Um, and I think once we accept that what happened to us was not um, 
I find it, yes, it's not exactly, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you, yeah, Laura. It's not a punishment. Yeah. It's not a punishment. It's not uh, something that we deserve as such, but it's something that's supposed to help us grow. It was then, designed. It was it divinely was, designed, whether we wanted it or not. You know, it was part of our journey. And perhaps we've even agreed to it because mm -hmm. when we have these soul contracts, we often actually have uh, a specific contract with a soul of a loved one that says, we will be together for a certain amount of time and then I will leave you and you will have to find your own way and to use the gifts that you got in order to grow. So once we accept that, then the, the change we can bring into our own lives and into the life of others is huge, absolutely huge. I think just, you know, accepting that, um, you know, fundamentally, first and foremost, is that we are energy. You know, uh, we have a DNA energetic coding, and that's what goes back into the universe, and then in turn what keeps coming back here for whatever lessons or whatever we're meant to teach, whatever our, our role is here. Um, if people could get out of the fixation that the body is everything, and that it is the the energy, the divine energy within the body, that is what makes people accomplish or face the challenge or just simply live. We have so many people walking around today that I call the walking dead because they have absolutely no connection to their soul and their spirit. They're just humanoids. Um, and without that connection to our soul and our spirit and igniting those energies, uh, we really aren't living. Laura, I'm going to throw that one over to you. Absolutely. I was so glad you said that because I, it's funny you call them the walking dead or it's the difference between surviving and living. You know, yeah. that connection to spirit and to our spirituality and to something beyond ourselves, that puts us in the state of actually living our lives. If we don't have that connection or we refuse it or we're afraid of it or we push it away, what we end up into is really just a state of survival. We're just keeping ourselves, uh, you know, in the physical, and we're just living day to day. There is no real joy. There is no real connection. And, and There's really, no real reason to live either. Exactly. There's no real reason to live because you'll see if you examine, if you look at those people's lives, usually those people as well, not only do they not have a connection to themselves, but they have an extremely limited connection to others. Mm -hmm. So they're really not reaping that, that wonder and that, that love and that, that positivity, uh, that energy exchange of being connected to others, let alone themselves. And most of the um, time they're in anger as well, anger and fear. Well, yeah, yeah, and living, yeah, living basically fear-based lives because they're not looking at the real energy. Well, anger is fear. You know, mm -hmm. as far as far as I'm concerned, there are only two emotions. There's fear and there's love. And every, uh, basically all the negative emotions flow from fear, what we call the negative emotions. And all the positive emotions uh, flow from the base of love. So there really is only, you know, you're either looking at the world through the eyes of love or you're looking at the world through the eyes of fear. And that colors every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between actually living your life and being alive in, in the sense that I, I believe in being alive is, or just being in that survival, like you said, just being an automaton and being a basically a walking dead. Yeah. Daniela? 
there, there's a very interesting connection that I find between uh, what uh, Laura said about challenges and, and about uh, and between your Walking Dead, mm-hmm. Sarah, because um, I think what happens to these Walking Dead when they face a challenge, when they f- face a difficult disease of themselves, of a loved one, or when they lose a loved one, that's when they wake up. Because I think it's very easy to walk through life and just worry about career and maybe, um, like myself, um, until I lost my brother, I mean, I had a very full life. I was busy. I had a career. I had a family. And I wouldn't say I was a walking dead, but I certainly wasn't aware of the big picture. For me, the big picture was in politics, international relations, and, you know, I thought the most important elements of my life would be on the news, right? What's happening in the world. But... I, I I got a big wake up call with um, with the death of Michael, and I know a lot of people that I know have woken up following uh, an accident that they had, yes. perhaps uh, a disease that they've recovered from, and that's when the Walking Dead get a wake up call and start seeing the big picture as what it is, and our body is just a temporary vehicle. And they realize that they are not their body because even when the body is injured, even when the body is not functioning, um, even when the body is paralyzed with fear or paralyzed um, physically, our soul is still there. And then we realize that we're beyond, we're more than our body. And this is exactly being a skeptic and having had the experience of... of, um, almost a conversion it's not a religious conversion it's it's some kind of spiritual conversion uh because until today you know anything sort of any organized religion or anything that that's using uh words that are perhaps too spiritual spiritual kind of makes me cringe a little bit because most of my life um i was not aware of the big picture and i can understand how people are not aware of it until it happens to them personally yeah so these challenges are, are definitely blessings for the walking dead. And in a sense, really, we've, until we're uh, willing, willing to experience pain, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual pain, we actually don't really actually understand the value of living um, or, the, or the beautiful divine spiritual energy there. I think, you know, I think this is part of that human experience that we need to have. We need to ex- experience that pain. Um, and it, from that, you know, it, we go to the other side of things where we experience pure joy. But I don't think you can experience pure joy without actually understanding the sorrow or, you know, of pain in some way. Laura? Yeah, and, I, you know, and I think that's why we're here. It, it's really to to experience those those opposites, the duality. Because, you know, like Danielle was saying, until you actually have one of those experiences, you really you really don't appreciate um, life and and you can't really it's almost like you can't touch that inner core of your own spirit with even within yourself until you really get that wake up call and suddenly something happens to you and you it's just like when people go through um, you know near-death experiences they are so profoundly changed because they've actually gone through a semi transition already and they most people come back with just totally changed like so loving and so uh, motivated to make themselves and the world a better place 
Um, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone who's kind of gone through that experience um, and come back kind of in a, in a negative state. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are all kinds of, you know, it's not just um, um, sickness and um, death that give us those experiences. When I was 15, I had an incredible experience on the top of a, a, a ledge when I was out actually rock climbing, where I had, basically, I just burst out of my body, and it was really an out-of-body experience, and, and I was shown the world in uh, a very, very different way, and that it was an incredibly profound experience, and it's lasted throughout my life, even though I went... It happened when I was about 15, and then you kind of you go out, you kind of go in and out of awareness throughout your life. Um, different levels of you know, from there's sort of a continuum from the Walking Dead to the Sleepwalkers to the sort of semi-conscious awake, and then awake. It's it's like everything. It's kind of there's no real black and white. There's a sort of when we talk about being awake and aware, it's really on a scale and it's really a continuum. And sometimes we're moving in the forward direction, and sometimes we can have periods in our life where we kind of slide back, Mm -hmm. uh, and then we're moving forward again. So it's not necessarily, you know, spiritual awakening and spiritual development isn't necessarily linear in a well, the same thing. Exactly, or the same thing for everybody. It can come in very, very different forms. Um, the end of the, I kind of being reminded of my own experience here is that um, my father died when I was eleven, and uh, I went to my mother and said, "God took the one that was the weakest and left the one that was the strongest." I was already dealing with death. Um, I lost my favorite aunt at the same time and my grandmother all within a year period. Um, and it's I'm one of those people that when somebody loses somebody, they call me first because I can equilibrium them with being very matter of fact, you know, that you've lost the body, the spirit goes on, lies within you, and I can take them to that place so now they can go through what they need to go through. And it's even when my own mum passed, it's, I still haven't cried because it was her time. Um, and I find it's, as you know, growing up speaking and playing with dead people, I've always looked at life as, you know, that death is just purely an ending of the vessel and the energy t- still continues on. And, um, you know, you're talking about that, that kind of something happening to you to wake you up to spirit. I was one of those people that was already in spirit, you know, around that, that human realm, um, where it's like I was working on a different plane altogether. And it's... Uh, I lost it for a while, and when I was in my marriage and going through a lot of turmoil, I lost that connection to my soul, right. and, it, and it had to have a rebirth, uh, and in that rebirth became a, a, a different form of connection. But growing up, I was that spiritual child, completely and utterly, and probably didn't have much connection to the human world whatsoever. Um, did either of you have those experiences? I'll, I'll hit to you first, Daniela. Yes, it's funny that you mention it because um, only after I went back to this sort of sense of awareness, I realized that when I was a young child, I did have a very spiritual connection. And then I I lost it. Um, I didn't really lose it. I just got busy living life. And I I actually think it's not a bad thing to lose it every now and then or even for a longer length of time because we are here for the human 
um, experience. Mm -hmm. And very few people can live uh, connected most of their lives. Perhaps monks, you know, at the top of a mountain in a monastery, perhaps they can try to do that. But the rest of us who actually choose to live a more or less um, normal life, um, living in a city and, and living among other people, um, we are here because we're supposed to experience relationships, connections, uh, the earth reality. And it only is possible if we do forget every now and then the spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. But then it's wonderful that we go back to it. And we do go back to it many times uh, in time of need, in time of grief, in time of sickness, and in times of choice. As we grow, I think, in our journey, then we actually choose uh, either through meditation or through awareness, mindfulness. We actually choose to maintain that connection. But I think when we are children, we have it naturally, no doubt. Yeah. Laura? Oh, absolutely. I think when we come into this world as a baby, if you look at even babies and very young children, they are incredibly spiritually aware and incredibly connected. And and that tends to uh, get, well, in some instances, almost beaten out of us. Yes, through, I agree. Through, you know, schools and religions and and different belief systems and cultures especially in our western culture i won't i won't say that for all cultures but definitely i can only you know speak speaking of the western culture but it's interesting that you had mentioned that about being you know that all those things happening to you around the age of 11 because around that same age um i actually had an interesting experience because i was from a totally non-religious family religion really wasn't around my family at all and suddenly around the age of 10 or 11, I decided that I was going to find God and the angels. And of course, up until that point, uh, everything that I had been told was that they, uh, God was at church and we didn't go to church. So I decided to go every Sunday I went for, oh, six or eight weeks. I went to every different kind of church in our, that was in walking distance of my home. Uh, for, you know, seven or eight Sundays in a row, all by myself. And I was only 10 or 11. And I went to all these different kinds of churches, and it was really interesting because after my survey, uh, what I discovered was God wasn't in the churches. <laughs> <laughs> and the angels weren't quite there either. Um, some were nicer people than others, but that's not really where they were. Right. So, Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, when we look at, um, I've actually just done a show on on a, a young guy that gave his life to, you know, being a pastor and, and, and you know, running a church uh, and uh, and then waking up one day and going, oh, my God, I'm living a lie and, uh, and realizing what it was really all about. And um, uh, it's very, very interesting when we talk about people kind of awakening to that spirit. And as you said, Daniela, it happens you know, you, you awaken, you lose it for a while, you and you awaken again, and each time it's a different understanding, a different depth, a different knowledge of what to do with it. And I think, you know, you can have people like our indigo children that are very spiritual and, and way beyond their years with their gifts, but that life experience, that journey that we experience along the way are giving us a somewhat, so much more of a profound tool and understanding so that every time we keep coming back into that spirit um, we know what to do with it more and we know how to expand it more because we have got those life tools along with it hey Danielle 
Yes, and and I think it all brings us back really to um, this openness to life after life or life before life, um, whichever word or or phrase makes people feel more comfortable. Um, because I think once we can suspend this belief and we say, okay, um, if there more there's more than one life, and if we come from somewhere and go from somewhere else, then what do we do in that space between lives? And from my experience, I've witnessed people who planned their life um, in more or less details, people who actually um, prepare their own challenges with other people, other people's help, other souls' help, people who even were involved in choosing um, the place they would be born and the body they would be born into, because apparently we have more than one choice, usually, Mm -hmm. their gender which sometimes can be um, can be an experiment that doesn't work out, which right. we can see. Right. And that's all perfectly normal because we have to all experience different kinds of lives and different kinds of bodies as different people, different genders, different nationalities. And what uh, Laura was saying about the Western world is so true because there's so many other religions and um, faiths that do embrace reincarnation. And we can see in these uh, these communities, we can see more children that actually remember their past lives. And once we embrace this whole spectrum of possibilities, which um, some of us might think is probable, some of us might think is definite, and some could just accept that it's possible. But even if it's just possible, um, I think it's life-changing. Well, I think that's why children in these other societies where it is accepted that there's reincarnation and life before life and life after life, um, I think that's why they have these stronger memories and they continue much longer through their growing, you know, through their maturation process. It's because they're supported and they're encouraged to, um, to have these memories and talk about these things, whereas in our Western culture... There are very many kids that that will start talking about different things and having lived different lives and having been different people. And, um, you know, they're totally squashed. Yes. They're totally squashed by our culture. So they think that this is, you know, imaginary and it's something bad. They shouldn't be talking about it. And it's the same thing with um, invisible friends, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, You know, and... I don't know if you're aware of it, but I know you are, and I'm sure you are too, Danielle, but invisible friends most of the time are spirits. They, they can be angels, they can be past loved ones, um, you know, they, they can be other dimensional beings, there's all, there's all but they exist, and the, and the important thing is that they are real and they do exist, and children can hear and see them because they are open to it. And until they get squashed by parents and teachers and, and being told that, that these are just imaginary, um, they're very willing to talk and express with yeah. them. And I think it's, it's a really, really uh, big weakness of our, our Western culture that we don't support children in these areas because it really hampers their um, understanding and their, their spiritual development and growth. You know, I was a very sickly child, so I used to spend a lot of time in bed. In a moment, I got a cold or a cough, off to bed I was, and uh, spent a great deal of time on my own. And my mum would come in and find me, 
you know, telling stories to myself or my dolls. And then it'll be, she, she once pointed out to me, she said, well, you've got two other names here, but I don't see the dolls. And I said, well, they're there. Can't you see them? They're this and they're that. And, and give, the, give a whole life story of that person there. My mum just thought, it's just me. It's what's keeping me sane while I'm in bed. And for me, they were completely and utterly real. And I think, you know, what I'm, I've interviewed a great deal on today is how many people, which is m very much the premises of your book, Daniela, um, uh, conduit writers, where people say, I had to write this. I just sit down, uh, sit down and the book wrote itself. You know, the spirit came through me and had to reveal this story. And uh, this is happening time and time again now because there's so much that spirit needs to teach us. And they're using, um, you know, humans as a vessel in which to get that word out. And as I said, it's a lot to do with your storyline here, Daniela. So I'm going to go over to you on that one. Um, absolutely. You know, I think as writers, um, most of us don't really write from our own imagination. Um, I don't take credit for what I write. I mean, I, of course, I physically write it or type it. But uh, this inspiration, so-called inspiration, really it's like downloading some information from somewhere. And in my case, um, after writing a book which was nonfiction, it was called um, On Dragonfly Wings, A Skeptic's Journey to Mediumship, I realized that a lot of people are turned off by a story that is nonfiction and talks about uh, past life regressions and past lives and spirits and, and communication with the other side because it's scary for some people. And then I said, okay, now I need to deal with the same topic but do it through fiction because people are more open to reading a novel and it's not a real story, it's just a story. Of course, it's a real story. It has real elements. And this novel somehow downloaded itself. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what you say because I think there's a need... Uh, to reach a wider audience of readers, people who are perhaps mainstream, who are not necessarily considering themselves spiritual, but when given the opportunity to consider the possibility of past lives or future lives, of the fact that life is not the end, that perhaps there's something else. Uh, my uh, protagonist is an editor in New York and she has a very busy life. And of course, uh, something very difficult puts her in a place where she seeks hypnotherapy. And through hypnotherapy, like I've seen many people that through hypnotherapy um, discover past lives or discover something that may be a past life, past experience. Um, I am hoping to reach people who are not necessarily the ones who would admit immediately, yes, of course, we've had past lives, but would say, oh, you know, I've had moments in my life where I realized there's more to my life than just this. There, there's something beyond. And that's the beauty, I think, of, of dealing with these topics, not only as nonfiction, but also in a fictional way that would be open to many people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does help open the door completely on that. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of what you do, Laura, with that, you know, mediumship and, and uh, reading for people is you're downloading the story that they need to hear, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, it, and it's really interesting because I've noticed something more pro prevalent lately is there's a lot of people that have, uh, I've seen a lot of people that have never, um, would have never imagined consulting a psychic or a medium, never had a, a, a reading, have never been in part of a, a mediumship session that are coming in and they're coming in um, some of the you know different levels of skepticism 
Um, but there's a really big curiosity and there's something prompting them. And it's really interesting because not all of them, um, some of them have had, you know, have been prompted like we've been talking about in terms of having lost a loved one. But there's also a great portion of them um, that aren't, uh, that haven't. And um, some that are looking, seeking some experiences with mediumship. And then on the other side of the coin, in terms of reading and counseling sessions, private sessions, they're coming in just because they're curious to find out what this is all about and is there something in this from for them and in a lot of cases too it's like pe- people have suddenly uh, often been getting their own being paid being excuse me being paying more attention to their own intuition and what they're coming for is confirmation mm-hmm. they want to they want to learn if you know what these messages that they've been getting for themselves if something if somebody can confirm them for them and that's really interesting, and, that, and that's really a changing tide, um, because a lot of these people have have had no connection to spirituality whatsoever, and are definitely not, uh, you know, spiritualists or New Ages or even sort of open to that to that area of thought. They're just straight mainstream people who all of a sudden have come in and been getting their own intuitions and want some confirmation and want to understand what's really going on with them. Yeah, and which is great because that means that inquiring mind is opening up and uh, and that benefits everybody. Now, I'm going to switch topic here a little bit. Um, I've worked with a soul cleanser, um, wonderful woman, Lydia Frederico, and she um, takes people's souls and sends them to soul school. And, uh, you know, it, it makes sense because when she says that, you know, people die and no matter what kind of life they've had, it's, you know, the, the assumption is heaven or hell. And um, and that, you know, if life has been cruel to you, but you've got through it, you know, once you die, it's all over, and then you just go up into heaven. And uh, as I pointed out to someone, but you can't go into so-called heaven, that peaceful realm, if you're still carrying a whole sack of, excuse the expression, shit along with you. Um, and that, you know, soul school is a place where you go to, uh, you know, get rid of all those angst and all that human um, unforgiveness and anger and everything else. Because if you took that over into that spiritual realm, we would start seeing that spiritual realm completely start shattering. So it makes sense that there is kind of the soul school, a place where you download that human condition before you can be part of that collective again what are your thoughts on that i'll go to you first daniela that that's really interesting because um soul school can be something that is uh before we pass um to the other side or it could be after or it can be even during um because i think many people have these experiences that um they get through meditation through dreams through um unrealistic experiences during their lives and they're all like uh, I call them flags or signs that we get that are pointing us in the direction of where we're supposed to go in our current life and also after our passing on the other side um, people from the other side actually talk about um, exactly that schools where they learn um, sometimes the same topics that they were interested in this life and sometimes things that are totally different. And the soul school actually accompanies us, or we uh, progress in it, from life to life, 
And obviously we come each time to learn different things and to progress. Mm-hmm. But there's always this process of learning that is sometimes um, not conscious when we are alive. It's not something that we do consciously, this progress. And then when we are on the other side, apparently it is very conscious because we go when we have guides and we have teachers on the other side that, mm-hmm. by the way, of course, accompany us uh, in our earth lives as well in one form or another. And it's all part of the soul school. It's really like a never-ending journey of learning. Yeah. It never does end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I, don't, I think people, too, have a tendency to think of the other side as all one level. Yeah. What I've been shown is it's multiple, multiple levels. And as we progress, or as our soul progresses through its own journey, um, when we're on the other side, we spend time on different levels according to our soul's development in schools, in learning, and that learning, you know, is is actually as intense, if not more intense, on the other side. It's just in a different way, um, and we're we're actually functioning through different levels. You can look at it like high school, kindergarten, whatever, if you want to look at it in a hierarchical uh, progression. But there's definitely that learning that's going on um, on the other side as well. And the you know, it makes sense. I mean, you've got to have the yeah. different levels. And, you know, you people, you know, especially the more advanced they get in, the, in their spiritual um, realm here on Earth, is like, you know, they look forward to the time where they don't have to come back. Um, I've had numerous lifetimes here, um, and I go way, way back, even before the Atlanteans. Um, and I say, you know, is this it now? And they say, no, you've got two more lifetimes. <laughs> and, you know, I've got to come back now and, and just, you know, and I said, okay, well, don't make it such a struggle next time. Make it that I come back as that, you know, that that light that helps people progress further forward without all that pain and anguish. And But it is uh, part of that, isn't it? And then the people that don't have to keep coming back here, of course, they go up onto a totally different dimension um, that kind of disconnects from Earth altogether. Well, we have to remember that Earth is not the only school. Exactly. You know, there are many schools, many planets, many dimensions um, that a lot of us have spent time in. A lot of us have spent a lot of lifetimes on Earth, but we've ha- actually, and I'm sure Danielle, is, if you've been doing a lot of regression work, has probably ex- experienced this through others, is that um, people have all different kinds of lives and different kinds of bodies and different kind of incarnations on places other than the earth you know that's that's one sense and there's you know in terms of of there being a soul school there's also another um aspect to it too uh, on, that i've been shown on the other side it's not only the schools but there's also healing centers and the easiest example of this to give is one of the major healing centers is um, dealing with people who have had sudden uh, traumatic deaths. For example, somebody who's been killed uh, suddenly in a car accident. They're suddenly thrown out of their body and they have no idea a lot of times that they're, they're even passed over. Yeah. And those type of people are actually gathered in what I've been shown is like a healing center. And they are actually not available to be talked to for a while. Um, they can't come across and, and get into a mediumship session because they are be, being surrounded by love and healing and all kinds of masters and angels are around them. 
and they are actually being healed of that trauma of that sudden death. The other instance that I've been shown that is when, uh, and this might be comforting to a lot of people, is when very babies or very young children um, cross over. They also go into a special like healing center so that they are uh, made to feel loved and safe and that you know they understand they're brought into an understanding and a healing of that passing at such a young age so there's you know there's so much on the other side that we don't recognize you know to me um, you know there's schools and there's healing centers and you know what else is there right and it's only kind of when we get there that we'll find out um, exactly. And, uh, you know, Dania, with your past life aggressions, have you found anybody that's kind of come through with a with an unearthly memory? I have, actually. But just before that, I wanted to, to t- touch on something that Laura um, said about the healing. And that's a, such a beautiful point because um, what I've learned is that you can actually bring some of that healing, some of that amazing healing we experience on the other side. We can bring it into this life um, in certain situations just by asking. So if we are in a difficult situation, personal or somebody close to us in this difficult situation, we can actually ask for some of that healing to come through from the other side. And it's amazing what an effect it can have on us, on our physical body, on our soul, on our spirit. And and to your question, have I come uh, across people who, yes, absolutely, um, one person said that they experienced a life as a deer, mm. which is interesting because I've, um, from what I've learned, and of course some religions do believe that people can incarnate into animals and so on. My experience was that people always incarnate as people because it's a different kind of soul energy, right? If you're a deer or if you're a person, I mean, they're all souls, but it's just kind of different vibration. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you you don't say anything. I mean, people experience um, what they experience. And um, as a regression therapist, I'm just the guide. So I'm there just to ask the questions, to help them bring forth the information that they get. But yes, I mean, people lived in Atlantis and people lived as, as um, once or twice that, they, that I heard as animals, uh, perhaps on a different dimension or a different planet. And the thing is, you know, even Jung, did the Swiss um, psychiatrist, he was talking about uh, some kind of um, common consciousness that we download information from. So the way I think of it, it doesn't matter if that person was really a deer or if they really lived on another planet. It doesn't matter if the past life that they uh, experienced is real and it really existed um, scientifically or historically or geographically. What matters is that the information they download and they get actually helps them heal something in their soul. It helps them feel complete and it helps them have understandings. Um, so, of course, people have different experiences and have uh, incarnated and reincarnated as different things. But um, I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on can it be true? Right. And perhaps somebody is really um, feeling feeling strange about an experience as a deer or an experience as, a, as an, somebody on another planet. What I say, it doesn't matter. People experience what they experience and what brings them a significant answer to a question they have open or, or help them in a life situation that they're in. And all the rest doesn't matter. That's the beauty of regressions. Right. And I, I'm going to tell a story about my daughter who is, I think, about... 
seven at the time. I took her to a past life regressionist because she had an absolute fear of the night. She could not sleep in her room, even with all the light on. It always ended up either sleeping by me on the floor or with me. And she's such, you know, defiant girl in the day, can face anything, but come night. And so I took her to a past life regressionist, and it was really interesting because it took her into three lifetimes where she had been abandoned, and that abandonment had always taken her into the dark. And uh, when she came out, you know, it's, she's a seven-year-old. It's still a little hard to kind of explain this, but I explained to her that that's what happened to her in another lifetime, that it didn't happen to her. So she can you know, let that go now. It's not happening to her in her lifetime. She's not going to be abandoned. And it, it didn't take very long at all before she was back in her room, first sleeping just with the light on. And then, you know, slowly those lights went off and, in, and being very comfortable with the dark. And I think that's what, when you look at past life and you realize, this isn't my pain in this lifetime. I can let this go. I acknowledge it. I send healing love to you. But I let that pain go. Because so many people go through living and it's like, I don't understand where this is coming from. And it's a past life that hasn't been dealt with. So if we take a look at it and release it, you know, it freezes up in our own lifetimes, which I think is something we very much need to do. Absolutely. And, you know, I totally agree with Daniela. I've come to that conclusion myself. It's it's it really doesn't matter if it's real or not. It's 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 not really that discussion. Is does it help people? Yeah. Are people getting benefit from it? And that's you know, and it sort of leads into one of kind of my sort of little pet peeves about labeling things. Everybody has to label things, and and we get into problems when we have to talk to each other because just because we're labeling a certain thing, a person, an experience with a different label, somehow we have to make that person wrong. And when, when you really stand back and you look at what that person is saying and what they're meaning, we're all saying the same things. You see, and that's the problem with a lot of organized religion is if you really look at what they're saying, they're actually all talking about the same things. They're just using different words, different labels, but yet they're willing to kill each other over it. I know, I know. And it's insane. Yes. (laughs) And it's the same with, and it's the same with all things spiritual. You know, even quote unquote. I think we discussed this the last time we talked, Sarah, that about this quote unquote new age mm-hmm. and 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 the things that have come out of that and and the verbiage. And it's like if you're not using the correct verbiage, then you're not part of the club. And it's really ridiculous because I've been told over and over by spirit. I talk about when I'm counseling and working with people in private sessions about their team. And your team, everybody has a team. It's your guides, your angels, your masters. Uh, Some people have deceased relatives on their team. But the point is, everybody is so crazy about, oh, you know, what's the names of my angels? What's the names of my masters? And I keep telling them, they have told me over and over again, they don't care what you call them. (laughs) Okay? You could call them Bob and Mary or Bob and Josie for all they care. Their only concern is that they want to have that contact. They want to have that connection so in a deeper way so that they can help you more. They're there to help you. They don't care what you call them. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. I'm sure you've experienced that too, Daniela. 
I, yes, I think you know we come from a very again from a very human experience, and we come with a set of rules that doesn't apply on the other side. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we try to bring um, information for other people or for ourselves, and using the only vocabulary we know. And of course, um, I'm sure Laura. Exper- I, I don't know how Laura experiences it if it's the same as me, but you know sometimes when something comes, some kind of information comes, I struggle to find the words mm-hmm. because. Yeah. The information is there, but you've got to convey it in, in speech and in words that would mean something to the person with you. And that, that's the thing. There is this knowing on the other side, which makes the human experience much more difficult than the experience on the other side. Um, it's perhaps like if you think about it as a kind of telepathy or a kind of knowing that has no words. And then here, words and names and, and even time becomes irrelevant yes. on the other side. Yes, absolutely. Knowing. Yeah, I refer to it as the knowingness. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's when it resonates with your soul, to your heart, to your spirit. And then your mind knows what it needs to know at the time it needs to know it. And it doesn't need to verify it, validate it, um, it or understand it. It simply just is. And when you learn to get into that state of being and trust that knowingness, um, it is your divine truth in that moment. Um, and you know what to do with it because it's so very clear, but you can't always articulate it to other people. You understand, uh, but there aren't necessarily the dialogue in order to explain it. Absolutely, and I think that's why um, you know dates and names and uh, all these things that seem to be important to people who look for information from the other side, um, they're really not that important because, no. yeah, they don't mean what <laughs> they, they think they mean. Right, it's all divine intellect. Well, the thing is, they want they want us to understand the essence of the message, um, and it's really about um, see everything on uh, on the other side is more about if you think of it in the sense of feeling. They want mm-hmm. us to feel things. They want us to th- feel into things, not think about things. Um, so it's really about getting out of our heads, and you know, yes. it's. I always say it's about thinking with our hearts. And feeling with her heads, um, it, which is the total opposite, of course, of the human experience up until this point. But you see, I am of the belief of the knowingness <laughs> that actually that's where we're going. That is the evolution of this physicality that we call being human on this planet. And that, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about ascension. And it drives me a bit crazy because the common understanding of ascension is we ascend off this planet. And that's what ascension is. Ascension is about going someplace else. Well, that's not what ascension is really about. Uh, From my knowing, ascension is about ascending in these bodies that we are in right now. And the, the ascension is about pulling those energies, those etheric energies, those universal energies, the God energy, the all that is, whatever you wish to call it, pulling those energies into our bodies, grounding them in our bodies, and making those energies available here on earth. And that's what moving to the next level of, uh, you know, some people call it five-dimensionality, uh, some people call it ascension, um, Really, uh, to use words that people would understand, I think that the the next evolution of, of of the human race on this planet 
is basically that we all become avatars. And that's what an avatar is. It's somebody who has brought that energy and is able to carry that energy um, within the physical body. And I think that's really what it's all about in terms of evolution yeah. and where we're going. Yeah. And when you look at it, uh, look at the earth, it's, it's in infinite. Um, it is both darkness and light. It is both nothingness and everything. Um, you know, and, and from a human point of view, it's a complete contradiction. But when you do travel in in the universal spirit, you understand it is everything and nothing all at once. Um, and uh, you know that is something you can only understand when you are immersed in it, um, as opposed to trying to study or look at it. So, um, okay, folks, we have come to the end of our hour here. Um, <laughs> And and we know we, the conversation could go on and on and on because there's clearly so much more to say, but uh, we'll have to do it again. So will you both let people know how they can go to hold of you if they need a reading or, um, you know, want to uh, have a, a look at uh, any uh, lifetime pattern there with you, Laura? How do they get hold of you? Okay. Um, you know, I'm available for private counseling sessions, readings, mediumship sessions, both private and public, and if you want to get a hold of me, the easiest way is through my website at www.spiritspeaks2.me, or you can email me at laurahorwig at gmail.com, and those are probably the two easiest ways of getting more information and also getting in touch with me. Wonderful, and I highly do recommend her. She has read for me, and as I said, it just gives you a peace of mind of having a direction uh, that has been outlined for you. It's a map. Um, you can walk it or not walk it. Nothing happens without your action, but at least gives you a clearer picture of what options lay in front of you. And Daniela, how do people get your book and um, and also get hold of you? So um, I also have a website, which is uh, my name, DanielaNorris.com, Daniela with one L. Um, and Norris with two R's. Norris with two R's, <laughs> indeed. And as for my recent novel, Recognitions, um, I always support independent bookshops. So please go into your local bookshop and order it. But otherwise, yes, it's available on the Internet, on Amazon and, and the usual outlets. Um, and I'm also part of something called the International Grief Council, which is uh, three women authors who've all lost something, someone close to them. And we talk about grief and we speak to groups and we speak to people who... Um, are grieving and need some kind of um, assistance, hand-holding, or just to talk to somebody who understands what they're going through. So that's the internationalgriefcouncil.org. You also have from the uh, tweets from theafterlife.com, which I think is uh, fun. That's right. That's something I'm having fun with because um, that's like a hub of uh, spiritual interviews, people who write about spiritual themes. And generally, um, I think tweets from the afterlife are all around us. So I'm having fun with it on the Internet as well. Right. Well, you know, folks, it's about <coughs> opening your heart, spirit and, and your soul. You have far more understanding and far more willingness to embrace what you don't know and accept it as knowingness. Uh, and don't be afraid of it. It is who we are. It's what we're all made out of. Um, whether uh, past life, present life, or many lifetimes, you know, this is just a vessel we're in for an experience. You may as well have a wonderful experience. And that's only going to come about if you're open to experience. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid of life after death or um, spirits coming back and talking to you. It's not like the horror movies. They're there to entertain you. 
and um, you know it's about just people trying to just speak to you so uh, Laura and uh, Daniela thank you so so much and uh, I look forward to another show down the road Oh, thank you thank so much you. for having us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And it was wonderful meeting you, Daniela, and I really enjoyed talking with you. And I hope we yeah. get a chance to do it again. We shall. Thank you, Laura. Wonderful. Thanks very much, folks. And, and remember, folks, an open mind uh, really will help you get through life so much better. Until next time. <laughs>